Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with Stephen Food. Hello. <laughs> so you were born in New Rumson, Jersey. How do you say it? Yeah, Rumson, yeah. New Jersey. It's Are you like right on the water? Yeah. It's cool. It's like a little sleepy beach town. Are your parents originally from New Jersey as well, or? Born and raised, yeah. So oh, wow. We're not there right now, are we? <laughs> Although it kind of feels like it. It's, it's pretty, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty grim pretty out. Northeasty. Yeah, very northeasty. I like that. That's a good adjective. Northeasty. <laughs> and growing up, your is your mom still a, like teaches piano, or was that just? So she taught us piano, and then yeah. she had a couple of students growing up. Um, now, no. I mean, I, but realistically, if she had a friend in town that's like, hey, my kid wants to learn piano, she would, of course, do it. So. But was that her? Did she have another job? or? Uh, when she was before, I guess, having children, she used to, uh, she used to do advertising. With, oh, okay. Uh, HBO, she worked at MTV. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So she was just doing that stuff, I guess. <laughs> it, was, it was really intense, I can only imagine. Um, <laughs> But by the time she had us, she wasn't working, so she mm. was taking care of us. But doing piano in between, she used to teach at music at our school. Oh, we used to have music class sometimes, and she would fill in for the teacher. And at one point, she took over for like eight months. <laughs> so that, that was great. Um, and was your dad always in real estate, or? Uh, yeah. I mean, dating way back before, I guess I was even a thought. You. He used to work at Kidder Peabody, which was a financial institution. Before that, he was selling copiers. And then, yeah, he switched to real estate. And mm -hmm. he was like, I'm kind of over this. So, Would you say you got your creative side from your mom then? You know, that's a good argument. Because in some, I'd say yes. But supposedly, uh, my father, my father's grandfather, so my uh, great-grandfather... Apparently, he was incredibly musical, had perfect pitch. Uh, oh, wow. But we don't know that to be true. That's just going off he said, she said. So, yeah. at the end of the day, my creative instinct, I mean, it was definitely taught and developed from, yeah, probably just learning from my mom mm -hmm. and whoever else taught me as a child. What kind of music was played in the house? Everything. Literally everything from classical music to jazz music to Van Morrison, definitely the Beatles, a lot of Beatles. Yeah. Literally everything. But you um, gravitated more towards rock, right? Early 100%. on. 100%. Yeah. When I was like 12 years old, I was like, what is classic rock? This is sick. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, it was definitely compiled of my mom's discography would be the right term collection of music, musical discography. How about that? <laughs> um, I don't even know if that's right. I'm just thrown out words but uh <laughs> yeah essentially definitely gravitated towards hers where my father's was more soul related mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was you know i think it's a great foundation but then also just having the ability to look up music all the time on the internet and it's just it's no different than now like mm -hmm. everyone has this capability so and that made you want to pick up a guitar to pick up a guitar how did that work i mean i was first piano player uh classically trained and as I was for high school, I was just like, 
was like, I don't like piano, flat out, I hate it. Um, mm -hmm. So as a result, I, uh, I just taught myself guitar and I was pretty bad at it for a while, but I really liked it. But like, yeah, it was kind of like spiting piano. I was just like, I don't really like it. But, uh, so I stopped playing piano for a couple, like maybe like four years when I was in high school essentially. Then I started picking up the guitar and I was like, this is way more my style. And then when I went to college, I kind of... Actually going back, like were you in some bands in high school? No. I Most mean, people who pick up guitar, I feel like during high school or in bands. No, I was like the, like very like closet insecure, nobody can know I play music. <laughs> because like, I don't know, it was weird. Like in middle school, I was like... I was I was always on sports teams. I was You did like ice hockey, right? Ice hockey, I played baseball. In high school I played water polo a couple of years, which was fun. Oh, I love water polo. Yeah, I <laughs> it was that was one of the most exciting times ever, I think. And the problem is I wasn't like I wasn't like this insane athlete. I was just always a kid that would make the varsity team or whatever and I would be in between that and oh you have to go perform because I'd be an orchestra or jazz ensemble or like a you know, whatever. And but what what were you doing in jazz? Like, what was your instrument? Uh, mediocre, at least. So. I guess just mediocre piano. That was oh. that was more like a middle school fad that died very quickly. <laughs> Orchestra was like percussive, and I I didn't hate it. I just didn't really like it. So mm. then I quit that in high school, and then not even kidding, it was like some glee type group or like <laughs> acapella group, and I was like, this looks fun, and. Honestly, that made music fun again, that, that, that acapella group thing. Because mm -hmm. I never had sang before that, but it's like <sighs> sitting there with either like timpanis or whatever, a triangle. I'm not even kidding, a triangle. Or the bells or the xylophone. It was just like so boring. And it's like the music when you got to sing it with eight other guys or eight other guys and girls, whatever it called for. It was just fun to mix yeah. it all together. So, you know, that kind of reinvigorated my interest in music. Mm -hmm. And does her sister do music as well or? Uh I mean she knows how to play piano but yeah. she doesn't uh she doesn't play. Uh but she used to sing and whatnot too. Mm -hmm. But uh yeah. What was it like with the twin though? Because you you said you had like a secret language with her. <laughs> oh when I was younger oh, that's right. <laughs> that's that's when I was way younger. Like mm -hmm. when I was like literally before we could even so cute, though. speak. Yeah, I was just kind of the, uh, I guess I, I was the, uh, what's the term, transcriber? Linguist, linguistic human, uh, twin, mm -hmm. I don't know. The translator, wow, I overcomplicated that one. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know, I, uh, she used to speak a little language. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, we used to speak, like, stuff like that, but, uh, no, I mean, she, uh, did you ever practice music together, or the three of you? Um, practice music together. Or play? Play together? No, not the really. Is kind of, it's kind of cool that you found music on your own, like, individually. Yeah, it wasn't like some Jackson 5 situation where it was <laughs> like, oh, let's all go to the basement and play instruments. Like, no, nah, it wasn't like that, but mm -hmm. it was kind of just, we all had to do it, and then it found more interest to... You know, I was less intrigued by it. Mm -hmm. Mikhail was less intrigued, and my brother was more intrigued. And then it all kind of circled around where, you know, we all just kind of found where we enjoy it. 
mm -hmm. what we like to do. So, what made you want to study history in college? Uh, I had this one teacher in high school, and he was out of his mind. But I just thought he was like one of the smartest, coolest guys. He's just very spiritual. And he taught history, and I kind of fell in love with that for that reason. When I went to college, it was a Civil War college. Oh. I learned really fast I wasn't that good at history. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. It's just the workload was kind of demanding. Mm -hmm. uh, at that point, what kind of career did you think you would have? Well, I, I was gearing towards finance. I actually took time off at one point to where I was working at a place that traded exchange traded funds. Oh, you didn't think to study business then? No, yeah, I know that's the logical thing, but turns out I'm really bad at econ. Uh, oh, okay. So, I couldn't get past econ 101, <laughs> micro or macro. <laughs> so, but it, it, the reality is, it's yeah. like, I still understood it without the class. But there's so many like prereqs now in life where I just was kind of like, I just remember one day I was like going back like, I don't think I could do this for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. What intrigued you about finance initially, though? I've always, since like sixth grade, I've been trading money. Oh. Whether it's been like 100 bucks or like 50 bucks. Like, I was always curious about the stock market. When I was younger, there's like, uh, you can do like play, like with fake money, like you can do like trading that's like real time to some extent. And it was just practice. I used to, I was fascinated. My buddy and I used to love doing that. Uh, so I guess I still get to do that, but the only difference is it's my money now, and if I screw it up, I screw it up. <laughs> so, yeah. And then after college, did you um, start working corporate jobs? Was it in New Jersey, or where was it? Or were you was working in these Pennsylvania. Jobs? Okay. No, no, these jobs were in New York. Oh, okay. But uh, no, my last year of college, I was uh, I actually. Had, was working out here one summer uh, for a record label and I was like I just had to find new music and then it just kind of hit me I was like I can make beats better than this or I could write a song just like that or better or worse whatever and uh, then I just went into a studio one night where because I just asked the guys producer I was just like can you just show me what you do like I'm just curious <laughs> And I don't know why, but he just, as soon as he started doing it, it all just made sense. Like the program, Pro Tools, like, I guess I had like intrinsically seen it so long throughout my life where like, I just immediately knew how to use it relatively fast. Oh, wow. So then I went back to school and I bought it and I just like, essentially stopped going to class and just <laughs> was just sitting in a dorm room all day trying to figure this program out. And then I moved out here after graduation had another internship as a college graduate, great, um, for a record label. And like, I don't know, a quarter of the way through that internship, I started writing for a couple artists. And uh, from that point on, I was just working. And then I got signed as a writer slash producer. Mm -hmm. Did you already have a bunch of cuts before you were signed as a writer? No. Oh, the so they kind of just believed in you. I love that. Just different style of music. Yeah. I think at the time I had one song and it was like an EDM song and what was it? It was with what's it called? It's called Space. Quinn ninety two was singing as the future artist. Oh okay. So and that didn't do anything. It was a very small song, but it was cool to like see it 
because I wrote it with a friend named Sam from a while ago, and I was like, that's cool. And, uh, but that was it. And then all the songs I had, it's like, they weren't very pitchable to artists. Because mm. I guess my voice, I have to sing lower, uh, which kind of makes it harder to pitch, because not a lot of artists want to cut songs where you have to sing really low. It's got to be in their range. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, just like the topics, I guess the songs became a little more personable. So then, after that, I thought it was just like a regular meet, and the guy's like, I want you to be an artist. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> and he was like, what? I was like, yeah, no, I don't want to do that. I was like, I kind of just like living behind the scenes. And he's like, I think you're wrong. So <laughs> he wouldn't let it go, David. He like reached out to me again, and then again. And then that third time, I was like, all right, what's the worst that happens? I just yeah. go back to writing. <laughs> and and before that, you already have written for Jack and Jack. I wrote once with them. Yeah. The song didn't come to be anything, but they're really cool kids. They they're actually like fun to write with. Yeah, I actually interviewed them too. <laughs> they're actually yeah. like they're low key really really talented. Yeah. Um, both Jacks like just sitting there like it's it's very it's very interesting because these days now. Music can be, not that it is, but can be manufactured at an absurd rate where it's like the artist only has to perform it, which is fine. Like, I mean, Frank Sinatra didn't write his own stuff. Elvis, same thing. Like, a lot of people, like, like that's an old school way of thinking. Get the writer to write the song, the producer to produce it, the artist to perform it. But with those kids, I mean, it's been a while, but like, what was cool about them is they were in the room. Was the song great? Nah, it was alright. Like, but that happens. So sometimes you gotta write like ten times, a hundred times to get mm -hmm. one good thing. But, you know, it's just a lot of respect because it's like, they're doing the artist thing, they're writing, and I'm pretty sure they said they produce too. So it's like, they're just trying to do everything, which is great. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so like, yeah, we worked together. I worked with my good buddies, the Vamps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, him, Bradley, Tristan. They're they're great guys. Mm -hmm. We've done a couple songs with them. Uh, maybe they come out. I hope. I think they will. Yeah. But they're awesome. They're talented. <laughs> they're the sweetest dudes, and they're honestly they're friends. Mm -hmm. Like we go out, we hang out, like, and they're like they're super normal. We went to the beach one day. We actually came back here. It was a crazy day. It was a weird day. <laughs> um, that's a different story. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're great guys. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'd ha you have pressure for your own artist project? Everyone has pressure. Mm -hmm. um, I probably put the most pressure on myself. The reality is, I've only been doing this for two years. Yeah. <laughs> and I've made good progress. But in my mind, I'm like, shh, I'm just like the whole time. All I can think of is just like, like not satisfied. Um, and you said this in a previous interview, but um, like for you, feeling like when you're going through love, it was like pizza giving away slices. I like that. Can you like elaborate more? I mean, who doesn't hate pizza? I love it. <laughs> no, but it's just like, I guess that perspective is just a moment in time mm -hmm. where that's how I felt. I genuinely don't think I feel that way now. Like, I think it's just like at the time I felt like I just kept giving out, giving out, hoping something would strike. And it's like by the time you finally find one person, or you think at the time you find one person, mm -hmm. you got this one cold, like, gross pizza. <laughs> no, but like, for real. Like, it just kind of feels like 
Here's the, here's the last piece of my heart pie. Mm-hmm. It's the best I can yeah. do. And it's like, it's just like, it also, I think it also dictates like where my mind was at the time where it's like, you know, yeah, I was probably just a little hopeless, like feeling hopeless. Mm-hmm. So that, that stuff all changes, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, at the time, it kind of felt like every time I was giving a piece out, I felt like I was losing a part of me. But I think your identity is always constantly changing regardless. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe I was giving a piece of my old identity, but I don't think that's me anymore. What's inspiration for Half Gone? Definitely previous relationships, hands down. Mm-hmm. That's definitely truthful. Um, but also, yeah, how I felt at the time, where it's like, and it, you know, in a weird way, it's not like a, an emotional thing where I'm like, oh my god, my life's ruined right now. Like, no. I think it was kind of just more like a closure piece where I was just like, all right, I can move on from that, like clear minded without mm-hmm. hard feelings. Does a person know it's about them? Might be about a couple people. It's not necessarily <laughs> about one specific person. Mm-hmm. But I can think of at one time where, you know, I was talking to somebody new and uh, that was my mindset where I was like, well, this person seems really cool and I really like them. But it's like, A, am I really going to give all my effort? Am I still fed up on the previous thing? Yes. And as a result, like, how am I going to be able to actually put my effort towards this? Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, I guess, a foreshadowing because that fell apart either way pretty badly. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> but it's not like, it's, you know, there's no hard feelings. It's just like, tried something and it didn't work. At the end of the day, you just have to go with whatever random feeling you have. It's mm-hmm. not like you're trying to purposely mislead somebody. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think in hindsight, the best thing for me would have been uh, just to, you know, take a couple of years off from the dating scene and just, like, get to know me more and then go back to it with a fresh set. Because it's like, how are you supposed to know somebody else when, like, it's going to take, what, a whole lifetime to actually figure out who you are, kind of? So it's like the best that you can do is just give yourself a little time before you go back into it. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's all, you know. Yeah. I think that song was, like, a great closure piece where... It meant a lot. I mean, it still means a lot because it's definitely like, like it definitely signifies a point in my life where I was like obviously low, and then, you know, I think I came around all right. So it's Mm -hmm. like it's all good. How do you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger? I mean, am I allowed to curse on this thing? Yeah. I was a complete shithead as a younger kid. (laughs) Like truthfully, I was just like, I was so reckless. and just, uh, yeah, just very hyped out. Go back up there again or there? I think the car, oh, you can just go into the next, yeah. Yeah, whatever works. Um, no, I was just completely, like, typical teenager. But, you know, younger, like, younger, younger kid, I was always getting in trouble. I was, like, the straight-A student who was always getting in trouble for, like, the weirdest things. <laughs> I don't know. I, there, I guess there was a little rebel child in me that developed over time. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah, I guess that's probably a good description. I think I came around, but, you know, mm-hmm. it was pretty decent. What would you say have been your biggest challenges so far in your life? Making my bed every morning, that's hard. <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, just literally waking up every day. It's just remembering, like, because there's obviously going to be days where you're just like, I don't 
don't want to do anything today. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work. And then be really sad. And then there's other days where you're like, life is great. I love working. It's like super bipolar. Uh, and then on top of it, it's just life expectancies. Like, you know, you got to do all this. You got to perform. You got to write music. And you got to juggle all these things. On top of it, don't get too out of shape because you'll get stressed. <laughs> but also, like, just learning the importance of balance, you know? Like can't go out every weekend and drink like a psycho yeah so it's like you know you just slow it down and just like i don't know it's kind of like you're balancing part of you i feel like my 20s is just like trying to balance me mm -hmm. so i'm cool with it yeah i'm not mad what does love mean to you uh it's just a meter he said i was like what is love baby? <laughs> um Balance, definitely balance. Meet someone who can like, if you're hyped, meet someone who can chill you out hard. Um, if you're someone who's like introverted and you don't go out too much, maybe meet somebody who can bring out that like wild side in you. Mm -hmm. um, but then on top of it, it's like, there's you, there's them, and then there's us. And those are like three parts of growth where it's like, you gotta focus on you for the rest of your life, figure out you. While doing that, you gotta figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, you gotta figure out what the two of you together, the us factor. So it's like, you gotta think about three things. And it sounds tough, but you know, everybody's been, it's kinda, they've been doing it since the beginning of time. So I have faith in those who feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, what do you wanna be remembered for? What do I wanna be remembered for? Hopefully nothing bad or reckless. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like, I'm not really a uh, egocentric driven person. Like, truthfully, in an ideal world, if you told me I could go live in the woods in a small cabin, I'd be down. I mean, I guess Wi-Fi would be kind of nice, but I could live without <laughs> it. I don't know. I mean, I don't really care, like, on a global standpoint, like, what am I remembered for? Like, that's just arbitrary to me. It's like saying, like, you know, you want to be the statute of a president or whoever the most famous person is in the world right now. And it's like, I don't know, if I can make music that people can resonate with or, you know, maybe Half Gone, for example, like maybe that helps somebody right now in a relationship. I've probably never met them. I probably never will meet them. Maybe, maybe almost never, but very unlikely stand, like circumstance. Mm -hmm. But that song could save the relationship. And it might be a real, it might be, not real, it might be a relationship where someone's married and they're thinking about divorcing. It could be like first love, high school, atypical. Could be like someone in their 20s too. Like, I don't know. To me, if someone ever reached out and was like, hey, I just, you know, your song, like, I was feeling that too. Then I could go, oh, cool, like, I'm not the only psycho then writing about like <laughs> these things, but then like someone can actually go, I relate to it. One person can remember that. I think I've lived a pretty good life then. Yeah. I'm really, yeah, I'm not really like looking for like a, I want to be remembered as the greatest musician as all because the reality is probably not, which is fine, or I'm just self deprecating. But like, just think most, more importantly, it means something to someone. Mm -hmm. And the more people it means something to, the better I, I guess I'm doing as a job. Like, I don't really care about, like, me, what, what me can be remembered. Like, what I can be remembered for, well, what me can be remembered. Jeez. 
grammar. Anyway, it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like the, if you're making, if you want to be remembered selfishly, then you're probably making music selfishly. It's like, I don't really care about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I'm not like, that whole like limelight crap, I'm not really into. Like, it really kind of weirds me out. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. If I can make someone happy or feel something, I guess I like that makes me happy. Yeah. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. I love this. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is such a big hill. <laughs> That might also, yes, yes, car, alarms, <laughs> car. Also, like, in your driveway, that's kind of impressive. <laughs>
Rossi, who's Myro, um, our manager, we had like a four-way window on Skype. I'd never mm -hmm. done one before, it was really nerve-wracking. <laughs> I was sat there just like, don't know what to say, trying to make a joke, but like they might take it wrong. Because like one of them I'd never met and one of them yeah. I'd met like once before. So um, yeah, we, we spoke about maybe like the possibility of coming out here and doing some stuff and like it all it all rolled from there, basically. Mm -hmm. Like kind of got here and we realized there was a bunch of like UK kids putting in the work. So it was a, it was a really nice kind of vibe, you know? And then how did it click to you that you wanted to be with them like after that? I'll be honest, um, Myro, so Rossi, he, he manages like our, our like act, he manages a whole bunch of acts like um, Barely Alive and Virtual. Mm -hmm. and, but he, he like he, he he's half of the label as well, or a third even I should say, and he, he does like sort of two jobs. So kind of he introduced us to the label side of things, and then like when we worked with him as as like you know as manager or him as our manager, that was kind of when we were like, yeah, we're in good hands, man. Like <laughs> we've been through a lot of tricky situations, a lot of sticky ones, and you know when you're our age, Josh is 31, I'm 28. We're not like kids, you know? So when you've been like in a few management situations or a few label situations or anything like that, and they haven't gone the way you initially planned, meeting someone like Rossi seems a bit too good to be true, mm. you know? And like the whole Disciple crew, all these videos, you were like, right, they all look like real posy and everyone's real happy, but is it like that? And, and that was kind of our initial like concern, or at least it was mine. Um, and yeah, no, it really is like, there is a great, great vibe and being a small label in a small kind of genre it's like it's easy to maintain that really good vibe yeah and that's what it is really it's just a really good family vibe and everyone looks out for everyone there's no bitchiness like everyone's supporting mm. everyone's music someone has a release and it's bumped on everyone's pages and that's great yeah and it's not a it's not a guy in the office doing it it's us you know mm -hmm. i think that that is something that will always kind of make People like me and Josh, you know, want to like gravitate towards that. It's just like sweet, man. Mm -hmm. Actual real people being really nice to each other. And it's refreshing. It's yeah. like you want to make music and send it to someone who you flip and respect and have them get right back to you and like, you know, send send their shit. And like, you know, it's just really nice. Nothing's contrived or fake. It's just, it's real. It's, it's like, it's rare. It's a unique thing that they've got. And they've worked like five years to get that. Yeah. So, yeah, big up Disciple Crew. Does it feel a bit different because you've been in like bands and doing drums your whole life and now maybe you categorize under more of like a EDM producer or...? Uh, no, not, not particularly. So I'm um, yeah. like, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't champion my production skills. I suck. I'm pretty deaf, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I've, I've done like thousands of shows in my life. Um, I wouldn't... I think I did a hearing test recently and I struggled to hear over 10.5k. So oh my gosh. I'm like... I'm sure I'm, I'm I'm heading for a hearing aid before I'm like 35, so I wouldn't like jump in the producer seat and want to make a banger straight away. But like in in terms of like songwriting, I still enjoy like putting together a, a, a piece of work. That being said, Josh has worked on everything in the last two EPs, mm -hmm. the one that we just dropped, Echoes, and this new one. He's basically just been whipping them up, yeah. fucking quick. Like I think he did this last one in one week, <laughs> but like. The, the, the bulk of the work, I, like, you know, in one day, I'm pretty sure he sent me over two almost finished songs kind of from that EP that are both on the EP. So he's kind of on fire at the moment. Um, as far as, like, my contribution, like, so I've got a sample pack coming out with Virtual Riot mm -hmm. um, for, like, just, just drums, like, yeah. exclusively, like, rhythm and dubstep drums. It's got a cool name, um, and I'm going to put it all on, like, line very soon. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm not sure when this is going to go out, but if it's sometime soon, it'll probably be dropping at the same sort of time. So yeah, um, yeah. in the next month anyway. Mm -hmm. So that'll be all. That'll be all available for everyone to sort of uh, grab off uh, off the internet when it's all dropped. There'll be a link to everything, and yeah, hopefully uh, everyone starts using my shit in yeah. their songs because that's kind of what I like. You know, I, I, I like. I think drums are such a massive part of dubstep or any EDM genre for that matter, or any genre of music. So like, if I can make as many six sample packs as I can make for different like things, like a future bass one with future bass fills and you know drum and bass ones with drum and bass breaks and just keep doing that, that's kind of my contribution. That's where I want to aim to be in the next few years, is just like keeping Josh laced with like drum pack, uh, you know, drum samples and stuff that he can use in, in, in the music mm -hmm. he makes. Because it kind of makes everyone's life easier when there's real good stuff to just drag and drop. You know, that's kind of the the new the new way of making tunes. I mm -hmm. think if you're sat there like programming all day long, it kind of gets super boring when you're trying to put down an idea. So that's yeah. kind of that's my thing. I want to mm -hmm. get like new and creative drum loops in the mix and make dubstep a bit more dynamic and fun and live and real. That's my aim. That's my goal. Yeah. Yep. Day to day, if he's doing more of the producing, are you more? Of, do you do more of the the live, like live performance, like getting into that, or day to day? How do your roles so, uh, differ? So we like well, we do shows together. Yeah. We prepare for shows together, so that side of it's kind of uh, kind of normal. It's mm -hmm. more just like Josh will have a lot of times in the diary when we're not touring. There's no shows, and it might be like two weeks, or even like five days in between shows, and it'll just be like block booked out with like. EP production so he'll know exactly how long he has and the deadline will be in that month at some point and he'll just have maybe like two block book weeks to work on it mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that works now normally we used to write as you know when we were four people there'd be four people in a room but like I said Josh is uh since he's been like in LA since we moved over here I think just hanging around hanging around with a whole bunch of people on Disciple it's like they almost treat music production like a game it's 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 like you know like let me see your new IDs like you know and people go go home and whip up two or three new ones. It's um it's just like the, the speed at which people are making like really sick playable music has just gone tenfold in the last few years. So now that Josh is kind of like on that, it's yeah it's like you know if you, if you blink you might miss a tune. Mm -hmm. um, I know we made a drum and bass one last night. I saw him tweet about it. So, <laughs> you know, but that's mm -hmm. that's the nature of it. When when inspira inspiration is 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 kind of striking, you got to go with it. What does success mean to Modestep? Oh, that's a very difficult question. To be honest, I'm, I'm I'm fairly certain we can consider ourselves successful. The amount of stuff we've come kind of come through, mm -hmm. um, and we're still an act. You know, it's been almost ten years for for Josh um, and six for me. So. Um, yeah, no, I, I'd say, I'd say what is success? Will you ever know if you're killing it at the time? Probably, probably not. You'll probably look back after six months or a year and be like, holy fuck, man, that summer festival season killed it. But, yeah. you know, you won't know until you're on your headlining dates playing to, you know, an, an eighth of that many people. You won't know until, you know, you feel it. You know, there's certain sobering things in, in, in the music industry that will kind of make you feel like unsuccessful and there's ones that will make you feel like you're a king, so. Mm -hmm. You just gotta fake the rough with this move. Yeah, we have. I'd say we're successful. Yeah. Right? And, and like stupidly lucky to be able to do it. Dubstep took a dip, and like our own country, where where it's from, wouldn't play it on the radio. You know, it, it was getting no love. So, for for Josh to have kind of kept playing dubstep, even in all of that climate, mm. you know, you, you know, when you could have been playing house and other things, 
you know, and I'm not naming names, I'm not chatting shit, I'm just saying, like, there's a certain amount to be said for acts that don't, you know, stray too far from the path of the cause. So, like, I always say the same band comes back to them every time, but Iron Maiden have done the same record for, like, 35 years. It's always the same branding, it's the same type of tunes, it's... It's like, that's why they're, they're still relevant and they're still big today and still selling sh shows out because, you know, they've given their fan base exactly what they want. So once you have a fan base, which most of have, it's really important to not alienate them or push them away and give them stuff that they, they don't want or, or, or are interested in. You know, yeah. you, you know, but at the same time, it's playing to like the people that make you a band, you gotta keep yourself happy and mm -hmm. fulfilled. So it's, it's a balance. Yeah. I love balance. this. Yeah, thank you so much. No worries, no worries. <laughs> Bye.